Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. Welcome to week nine, count it week nine of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is my good friend and colleague, Andrew Gifford. He goes by Giffy. Uh, it's obviously yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr. here, a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Thank you all for tuning in through your SoundCloud application. We got quite the topics to talk about today. We will discuss the NBA playoffs. It is here. It is now. We got great matchups, and I'm I'm glad to bring on one of my colleagues here, Giffy. Giffy, thanks for joining. Thanks, man. This will be your this will be your ninth and only, or I, just, I should say, and your last show. <laughs> no, no one will listen to it, and then it'll go downhill from there. But I'm glad to be here. Oh, I agree. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I'm really glad to have you on, just because I know that you're a Lakers fan, and I'm a Celtics fan. And the relationship that Larry and Magic have, it's like a battle on the court, but then outside the box, they're friends, right? So I, I think that's a great uh, translation to our friendship as well. Yeah, it's all respect at the end of the day. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, you compete, you root for the teams that you root for, but, you know, universally, we both love basketball. So we're both connected by that. We both enjoy the sport. And, uh, and we both hate LeBron James. I, can, I cannot agree anymore. Um, so speaking of LeBron James, I, I, we got into this discussion today. I really want to get into it because it does read true into the 2019 season. You know, you have the impact on superstars versus by committee teams, right? So, you know, you, yep. you know, back in the day, you had the Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs. You know, you had the Chicago Bulls of Michael, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. It seemed like they had guys that knew their roles, but then there were superstars that tried to do it on their own. Let's just get into that discussion because I think that's a really good topic and how the translation from, you know, old two, 2000s to now, like the translation that, that has made improvement, I would say, and maybe a little bit of downgrade at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can have, I mean, it, you can have your, your super-duper stars, your – you know, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, um, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, but you need the people around them. I think the problem with the Lakers as a team was that, um, you know, there were a lot of other things that needed to fall into place or that LeBron thought was going to fall into place. So you can go all the way back to, you know, the Lakers thinking that, all right, well, if LeBron comes here, then Paul George is going to come here. Well, eh, not so much. Paul George didn't go there. So then it's like, all right, we're going to go get Anthony Davis. The, the you know Pelicans are going to take this great offer. Well, we're not going to get him either. So LeBron definitely needs help. But, you know, this might go off into another topic. Is he 
does he attract players now or does he detract players from going to the Lakers? Because it sounds like nobody wants to play with him. Kyrie already wanted to get out of Dodge and get out of Cleveland and not play with LeBron anymore. So can he still attract players when everybody has told him, nah, we're good? Yeah, I, I think that's a great, great question. And I, I think it doesn't, it hasn't brought up enough that whenever a player joins LeBron in his you know, fraternity, call it, a lot of times these players like Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, um, you know, maybe Mike Miller, Ray Allen, like a lot of these players do lose their credibility from a basketball standpoint. Not to say that they're not as good anymore, but there's limitations to playing with LeBron James. And those limitations are playing in the paint. When LeBron has the ball, you have to spread out the floor because you're going to have shooters and you're going to need rebounds and you're going to have, you need people in the right spots. But at the same time, LeBron loves to attack the basket and then kick it out for three. So that's, that's his mode. That, that's really what he's great at. So without that aspect, it's hard for him to grasp on and really connect and hold on to, you know, what he believes in, what his strength is on the court. And Chris Bosh has gotten worse. Kevin Love has gotten worse. Like, all these guys were superstars before joining, um, you know, LeBron James. So it's no shock to me that a lot of these players get worse with playing a guy like LeBron because he dominates the basketball. That's just how he is. But does he have the ability to win a championship without talented players? And the answer to that is no. It just shows that in L.A., he can't do it on his own, and he's going to have to find pieces. But to your point, there is no way that these players will want to join LeBron if they don't make them better. They make them worse. Well, yeah, they, they make them worse, but, I mean, so he's a guy who's ball dominant. He needs the ball in his hand. Um, he, he traditionally hasn't played off the ball, you know, or, or been that kind of support you know, person on the outside. Like, he's not a super good three-point shooter. I think for his career, he's probably, like, mid-30s. So, he needs the ball in his hand. Now, he's one of the best playmakers in, in NBA history. Don't get me wrong. But also, too, I think a large part of it has to do with not only do players not know how to fit in a LeBron system, but they're, like, let's just call a spade in a spade. LeBron's teammates are going to get all of the blame and none of the praise. So, when you're in a position that you're going to go into a situation where your game has to change in order to fit LeBron James's needs on the court. That's one thing. But also, too, you're going to go into a situation where you're going to get most of the blame and none of the praise, plus all of the other social media cartoon fists that you're going to get with him anyway. So right. why on earth would you even consider that where there's really not a ton of positives involved so I think that's the, one of the reasons why Paul George resigned in, in, in OKC. And to be frank, he decided to play with Russell Westbrook instead of LeBron James. I mean, he would rather hitch his wagon to Russ than LeBron. That is a giant message and a giant statement from him. So for that matter, I mean, if, if Paul George is going to pick, you know, Mr. Self triple double himself over LeBron, there's not a whole ton of hope that a bunch of other guys are going to go, you know, join him as well. No, yeah, and I agree. And I think that's, like I said, it's been mis misunderstood sometimes 
the power of LeBron, and it's not necessarily a great thing. It's actually becoming worse for the NBA because it seems like there's an alliance building up and there's players behind the scenes that, you know, know LeBron's power with Rich Paul and, you know, the fact that they can get paid. But, you know, can they really? I I know. But the point is, can they bring the quality on the court? I don't care what he can do off the court. I want to see him thrive with players on the court. We have seen it with the Miami Heat. You know, we have seen it once in Cleveland, but... That's not enough sample size to me. And I think it's a statement. I think it's a statement that he elected to go to L.A. for personal reasons and business reasons. And I get that. But I think it's a statement that. That's how you said not, nothing about personal. And that's just that it seems like it's due from the start. Right. But he could have easily stayed in Cleveland. And he could have battled it out with Boston every single year. But that would have put a diminished on his value, on his career, on his legacy to say, I made it, you know, 11 times, but I only won it three times. So yeah. his percentage, if you do that math, is close to 27% on winning a title. Whereas, you know, he goes to LA, there's not as much pressure on him to make it to the finals because he's in a, um, a great situation right now from a business standpoint. And he's in LA. He's chilling. You know, he's got he's gonna he got his money. So I I just believe that LeBron's kind of done winning in a way. And I don't mean to say that, but it is true. I think that's a statement from him moving from East to the Western Conference to play the Golden State Warriors, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets. More competitiveness, more competition in that uh, conference rather than the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I think, too, I think if you actually probably told him a year ago that all of this was going to happen, I don't even know if he jumps because I think that he probably banked on the fact that, you know, either he was going to get Paul George or somehow the Lakers were going to get Kawhi or they were somehow going to get Anthony Davis because he's, you know, Rich Paul is his agent. And I don't, I, again, not to talk for him, you know, he's got hundreds of millions of more done more than I do, but I don't know. He's taken a hit to his reputation because he hasn't made the playoffs. He has basically, well, privately but now publicly sold his team up the river to try to get AD. That didn't help. He's got a new coach coming in. So with all of the – and this is a guy who definitely values his brand and values his name, and he's come out smelling like roses for how many years now? So I don't know if he does it because all that he's gotten is just a bunch of crap. And I don't know if I were him and I was given that scenario and what would happen. I don't know if I would do it over again. I agree. But I think LeBron's in a situation for a reason, right? It's because he, he is what he is. He's one of the best of all time. We can say that for sure. Uh, speaking of playoffs, which LeBron's on in, by the way, a little stab yeah. to your Lakers. <laughs> um, we have the Eastern Conference, and there's great matchups in East and West. So let's just break down, you know, some of the battles that we have. They've already started, obviously. You know, we got yeah. the we got the Bucks versus the Pistons. We got the Raptors versus the Magic. You know, we got uh, the 76ers versus the Nets. We got you know Celtics versus Pacers. So let's start off in the Eastern Conference. What, in your eyes, is the most intriguing battle? Um, I think in the East, for me, um, I, I think if you walked into the, to, to the playoffs, it was pretty easy to say that everything was going to be chalked, right? 
fight. Exactly. I yep. Think that, um, I think that, honestly, the most intriguing matchup to me is probably going to be Brooklyn and Philly, only because um, just the way that Brooklyn started off game one, like, look, I can say until the cows come home that Toronto is going to, um, you know, Toronto's going to lose because you and I talked previously about, you know, all the baggage that Toronto has and everything else, but that's probably not going to happen. But probably the most intriguing thing to me is, um, yeah, the matchup is probably Brooklyn and Philly, and I think that actually goes seven, and I don't know if Philly gets out of the first round. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that Philly doesn't necessarily get out of the first round either. The only reason why is going back to the Ben Simmons situation, right? The Markel Fultz. I, I really think they cost both players. And they cost both players because they picked them high in the draft, right? So you have a bonafide superstar coming out in the draft with Ben Simmons, right? The the ceiling hasn't been met. His progression can be, you know, guaranteed somewhere down the line. Whereas Markel Fultz, he had a lot of baggage. He he couldn't really find his shooting mechanics in college with the University of Washington. Go ahead. Yeah. That Danny Ainge is an absolute wizard. Like, can I just say he basically said or somehow convinced the 76ers that he was going to pick Markel Fultz so he switched picks with them, got an additional pick with them, and oh, by the way, he changed the shooting mechanics, and he just, he flat out sucked. So for, for Danny Ainge to be as much of a wizard as he is, now looking at it from your perspective, you have probably one of the best GMs, I would almost say in history, to my GM, who is a former agent, mind you that all the other players and all the other agents despise Rob Palenka. Just do some research on that. You'll have a couple of good reads. Oh, yeah. Just say that Danny Ainge is a wizard and and basically convinced the 76ers to pick up a guy who couldn't shoot when they picked up the previous point guard who couldn't shoot. <laughs> Perfectly sta- stated, except that Markel Fultz shoots right-handed and Ben Simmons doesn't shoot at all. We don't even know what he is, left-handed. He should shoot right-handed. Why not? Yeah, why not, right? Give himself just as much of a, of a chance to right-handed than left. Right. But, so, going back, being serious, go back, going back to the Philly team, which you are serious. I don't mean to say that. But um, I think that Ben Simmons is a liability on the offensive side of the ball for Philly. If you can't shoot and you can't become a threat and all you can do is drive and kick or, you know, drive it and dunk, that that can't last. Like, LeBron James had the attack mode. Russell Westbrook had the attack mode, you know, going into the NBA. And they learned how to shoot. I'm not saying well, but they've learned how to shoot. And Ben Simmons just can't find a way to make that happen. And if you can't, then you're not a progressional player. You're not an elite player because every player that comes out of an elite stance, you know, you have significant amount of growth to prove to people and you've shown it. Like, I'll give you an example too, Kyrie Irving, right? Everybody's saying, oh, Kyrie shoots all the time. He doesn't know how to pass. What he, and defensively, he sucks. Well, he has showed you throughout the entire season that he can become a playmaker, that bonafide superstar that you want on your team, and also the fact that you have Marcus Smart on your team, it becomes a little more contagious to play hard-nosed defense. 
But going back to the Philly situation, I think it is bad for Philly to have this guy on the floor. I would rather have, you know, a, a guy, a facilitator, you know, a table setter. Like you look at Embiid, you look at, you know, Jimmy Butler and you have JJ Redick. You got pieces that can't go, you know, you can't just let them go to waste. So you're going to have to put them in their prime positions to ultimately succeed because Ben Simmons just can't find that way to do it. I mean, look, last night, everything went in for them, right? They shot, what did they shoot? They shot 56% as a team. They shot 9 out of 23 from, from three-point range. So, you know, kind of everything went in for them last night. You know, Simmons had a triple-double, 18 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. He shot 8 for 12 from the floor, but I'm pretty sure if you look at his shot chart, he was able to get in the lane. So I, I think with the Nets, if, if, if I was their coach, if he was able to get to somewhere within eight feet of the rim, I, I'd find him. Because honestly, like, he can't, he can't shoot. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't even try to shoot. And I think for the 76ers, the, the biggest thing for them in the series to, to get past the series is that somehow freeing him up getting him in the lane, if he's both working his, his, his basically his paint game with his floater, his layups, his dunks, and then if, you know, the defenders are going to double him, he can get it out to Harris, he can get it out to um, to Jimmy Butler, or, you know, he can he can lob it up to Embiid. So the, the more that Brooklyn can keep him in front, and, and I know I'm not, you know, a rocket scientist here, but everyone's like, yeah, no shit, but... I think if, if he can't get into the lane, because the, the Celtics did that to him last year, he, he was not comfortable with the ball in his hand around the key and with, with defenders in front of him. So if, the, if somehow Brooklyn can go back and look at the tape, what the Celtics did to Ben Simmons in the last, you know, last year's playoffs, I think they'll be better off. I, I'm just not sure if they have the talent to do it. You know what you do? You play off of them. You play off of them and you say, beat me by your dribble because I know you can't shoot. Beat me by the dribble. And if you're also, if you're the opposing team, the way Philly goes on rolls is defensively. So if you take care of the basketball, you take every possession to heart, you have the you have an upper hand. You have advantage over Philly because Philly can only really do things out in the open. They can't really do things on set offenses. At least I haven't seen. I, I, I do you do you not agree? Yeah, I think. I mean, they're a big transition team. First game that Brooklyn won, from what I remember correctly, it was a pretty slow kind of tempo sort of game. I mean, you know, Philly wasn't putting up, um, you know, 145 points. No, so. Brooklyn created the pace. Yeah, so I think if you slow the pace down, and I think that if you make Philly play a half-court game, especially with Simmons not being able to shoot, and Bede being most efficient on the block, and then, you know, Butler can shoot threes, but he's a slasher, and so is Harris. I mean, Harris is more of a three-point shooter, but for the most part, you got Butler going in the lane, you got Embiid in the paint, and then you got Simmons in the paint. So I think that if you can keep them in a half-court set, they somehow kind of block each other in, and they're less efficient that way. Yeah, but again, going back to it, Philly doesn't really have, like, a collective group. They have a lot of individuals, right? Whereas Brooklyn seems to be the scrappier team, the want it more kind of team. So that is something that we're going to have to look forward to throughout the the entire series because I think this is going to be a game-by-game situation. And I think Brooklyn has more of an answer than Philly. And 
I think that's because Kenny Atkinson is a better coach than Brett Brown. I, I just don't think Brett Brown, even though he was a part of the Popovich Foundation, there's just no way that, you know, I, I feel like the talent on the floor equates to what his message wants to be delivered. So let's talk about the Western Conference because there is a lot of intriguing matchups throughout this Western Conference. You know, you got the Golden State Warriors versus the Clippers. You know, talk about a 31-point comeback last night, right? You have, you know, the Denver Nuggets and the San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets versus Utah Jazz, and you had the Portland Trailblazers versus the OKC Thunder. Um, what in your eyes would would you say is the best matchup? All right, so I'm going to say two – I'm going to give you two answers. The first answer is going to be the most intriguing basketball matchup, and then the second one is going to be the most intriguing entertainment value for my watching eye. So for the basketball reason, um, I think for me, I, it might be San Antonio-Denver, and I probably wouldn't have said that um, a week ago, but just with the way that San Antonio was able to go in there, was able to at least steal game one, kind of get back the home court advantage, and worst-case scenario, if they do split, they go back to San Antonio. And look, I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm a football-wise I'm not going to go against Belichick in a situation where the, the coach is, is that much more experienced than the other coach on the sideline. And I'm kind of going with the same thing with Pop. Like, look, he's been doing it forever. The fact that he was able to get the you know win-loss record of a San Antonio team with LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, DeMar DeRozan, and that's it. And, like, the point guard got um, – he got injured, you know, first week of the year. Deontay Murray. Murray. Yep, Deontay, yeah, Murray. Deontay Murray. Deontay Murray got um, injured uh, for the first, like, week of the year. Jonathan Simmons went to Orlando. That's a lot of Patty Mills. That's too much Patty Mills for my liking, and somehow it worked. So, I, and Denver hasn't been there before, um, and I just think that, you know, look, Joker is Joker. Like, he's, he's awesome. But can the guys who have not been there before – structurally franchise wise all the way down can they put up a fight against san antonio where san antonio has been there before pop's been there before the whole organization's been there before can they kind of pull this series from the, the spurs because i don't know i just it's too much of a new situation for me to feel comfortable in denver at this point yeah i i think those are very intriguing matchups uh particularly you know, the Denver and Spurs series, hands down, you know, you have a lot of young talent versus the old talent, right? So I, I think the, the new age talent is getting a little piece of Greg Popovich and his outstanding, you know, basketball mind. Um, who is the, you know, the, the matchup that you want to see? I think that uh, any any playoff series that Russ is in, um, I, I'm, I'm going to watch and, and only – um, because of the fact that he might implode, kill somebody, uh, punch, punch a rap, literally have nine rebounds with a minute left, and somehow get a triple-double in the playoffs, somehow end up with that magical 10th rebound. He's very entertaining because he's, he's just a dog, and he's going to fight, and he's got that old-school competitive attitude, but he's also got that at, at any moment he can implode, and he can put up a game where he shoots five out of 26 and has 10 turnovers and just implodes his team. So with that kind of volatility 
I'm always interested in watching Russ. Um, so that's more for my for my entertainment value. But you know, the, the matchup basketball wise is intriguing to me is, is Denver San Antonio. I would say you know the most intriguing matchup for me is Golden State and Los Angeles Clippers. Beside the point of the Clippers coming back 31 down um, in last night's game. I think overall, right, we, we had many discussions about this too, and we even talked to it, you know, in the beginning of the segment. I think you can only do so much with superstars. Um, you just need the pieces around them. You know, you look at any big three team, um, you look at any championship level team, they do have supplementary players that know how to complement their games to the superstars. So, you know, for example, you look at uh, the Miami Heat, right, when they had Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, um, and LeBron James. You know, they had Ray Allen, right? You know, they, they had Mario Chalmers. You know, they had, um, you know, Udonis Haslam. Uh, Haslam. They, they had other complementary players that – that knew their role, whether it's coming off the bench or whether it's starting. And, and, you know, for the Celtics, you know, the 06, 07 team, you know, I mean, 07, 08 team, you know, they had, you know, James Posey, Eddie House, Sam Cassell, PJ Brown, Leon Poe, you know, so a lot of these guys, they're no-name guys, but they do have a presence. And the way that they show their presence is if you have a good coach. So I think that's Steve Kerr, is arguably the most rated, overrated coach in the NBA because he has talent like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. You can't throw Jamar Green in, in there anymore because he will get obliviated when he joins like a Charlotte Hornets or you know a, a downgraded team. So in my eyes, I think a coach that could beat the Golden State Warriors as constituted is Doc Rivers and the Los Angeles Clippers because they're such a gritty team. They have nothing to lose, and they have really a complete team. Like you can, you can name every single player, and I can tell you what their role is on the team. Like Lou Williams, a spark plug off the bench. Pat Beverly, starting point guard. You know, a dog, just a freaking dog, right? You know, Danilo Gallinari, a scorer. You know, you have. Um, you know, uh, Alexander, you know, who can put up points as well. So over the course of Doc Rivers' career, he has never led a young team to the playoffs and beyond. That just doesn't happen. So right now he is in his shining moment because he has the Los Angeles Clippers team really on the same wavelength. And actually Steve Ballmer said it on uh, a radio outlet recently is he loves this freaking team. He, he just loves their hustle. He loves their presence. And I don't, this, I don't think this is lightning in the bottle when it comes to the Clippers. I really believe that the Clippers will outfight the Golden State Warriors because there's so much cancerous things going on, especially within the Golden State locker room. Yeah, I, I, see, it's... So the Kerr... Uh, the, I mean, the Kerr overrated thing, like, I understand your point, but also, too... Um, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's also hard to get superstars to play, um, on the same level. Um, and I, I I don't know, overrated, eh, but I I think that, um, you know, I I do think that, I think the Clippers actually have a shot to make this a series. Do they win? 
I don't think that they win. It might go six. It might go seven. Only because, you know, I know you listed all the players that you did, but I didn't. I didn't hear Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, or Clay Thompson in any of those things or anything on par. So, in a first round series, I'll probably take Golden State still in six or seven. Um, but I think it's a, definitely a lot more competitive series than I initially thought. Giffy, you're not you're not allowed to come on any of my podcasts for saying that. <laughs> he didn't have KD. I just look to do it so many times in sports we dock people for doing what they're supposed to be doing right so it's not really Steve Kerr's I don't know he was given the talent so so many times that we've seen beforehand teams have been stacked teams have been supposed to win teams have been um, favored teams have been oh, this team can't lose, and then they do. I know they did against LeBron, but you can thank Draymond Green's right or left foot, whatever it was, for kicking LeBron in the nuts for that. And Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Kyrie too. Kyrie was awesome that series. But I think that we we almost penalize coaches and we penalize teams for doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like, it's not really Steve Kerr's, you know, it's not his fault or, or his doing that. They went out and got him KD with all the rest of the talent that he had. So I'm not going to dock him for doing what he was supposed to be doing. Neither am I. Neither am I. We're on the same page. Is, but I get I get where the overrated thing comes into play. And I also think, too, that we're actually going to probably see him um, kind of see his stripes as a coach because, you know, I think KD's out the door. And honestly, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there was a 60 Minutes thing over the weekend that about the Golden State Warriors. And if you watch that entire interview, you know, Steph, Steph is, is, is yucking it up, and so is Andre Iguodala. But if you look at the, the facial, you know, reactions of the guys that are there, Clay's pretty serious and KD's pretty serious. So both of those guys might be out the door. So whatever superstar does leave, we'll kind of see with, with Steve Kerr if he can be that, you know, coach without the talent, just like the same way as like Eric Spolster. You know, a lot of guys said the same thing, or a lot of a lot of guys said the same thing about Spolster, where it's like, all right, well, you got LeBron, you got Wade, you got Bosch, you know, let's see what you can do. But honestly, like, he's been really good without them and, and got Miami to the playoffs without those guys. So exactly. We'll see we'll see if Kirk can be in kind of that same light that Spolster is, you know, without the talent. Yeah, and I will say if you know, KD leaves and Clay Thompson, like you're saying, if they depart, um, I think that Seth Curry now becomes like the AI of the Western Conference because he will be probably be on his own. So, I mean, he'll have to make his name. He'll have to make the Golden State Warriors relevant again if KD leaves and Clay Thompson leaves and if Draymond goes and gets paid, which I'm sure he's fine with. Um, yeah, somehow, some way, right? Somehow, some way, he'll play with LeBron. And I wonder why, Giff. Is it because um, he signed with Rich Paul? You know, it's like every single player that goes through the motions as far as hiring an agent, like what in your right mind is a good idea on hi- hiring Rich Paul as your agent? Like, I, I mean, he's, kind of, he's, a, he's a power broker at the end of the day. Um yeah, but he's not like he's not like a Scott Boris or uh, Rosen Rosenhaus in the NFL. He, he's none of that. 
Yeah, but it's it's I don't know. But anyway, not to get sidetracked, but he'll probably end up on the Lakers and they'll and they'll stupidly pay him what he wants. Yeah. No, I I agree. So, what is your uh, NBA Finals prediction? Oh boy, um, I really don't want to say your Celtics. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> I already gave mine. I already gave my prediction. I think, gosh, I I I don't think I can trust them. But honestly, right now, I I think it's Milwaukee and I think it's Houston. Okay. And um, I think that Giannis is on a tear right now and i understand obviously you know look everybody looks good against detroit without blake i get it really good very good but i think that with brogdon you know kind of coming back look this is going to be the series for brogdon to to get his wits about him again agreed agreed um, this is going to be the series where Giannis isn't going to have to exert a bunch of energy because they're going to blow him out every series or excuse me every game so i think that everybody can get healthy if, if Bledsoe can be kind of that third banana, if he can be that guy, look, he doesn't have to dominate games. He just has to be a playmaker, play good defense on the other, you know, star point guard or, or, or star shooting guard for the other team. Bledsoe sucks. Bledsoe sucks. Listen, man, like, I, I just, if uh, Giannis is the best basketball player on the planet right now, and I think that nobody in the league, both leagues, can guard him. But specifically in the Eastern Conference, they're on a roll right now. So I think Milwaukee out of the East. And I think Houston out of the West, I think for even though for as much as we want to say that Golden State or excuse me, Golden State's gonna lose, I think it's gonna be chalk as far as the first round matchups for the West, but I think Houston does beat Golden State in the second round, and then Houston ends up beating I'm gonna say Houston beats San Antonio in the conference finals. Wow. I'll just go out and say it. Um, you know, and so I think that um, I think it's Houston and I think it's Milwaukee and God, I, I again I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, but I, I think Houston wins. I think Houston wins it all. Oh man. So you're going hard and all in. That's what you're going. Yeah, yeah I think I'm hard and all in only because um, I just think that even though what I basically just said for Giannis is, is the same thing for Hart, right? This is the closest MVP, um, you know, closest MVP race we've seen in forever. Agreed. Um, yep. I think that I think that the slight edge is going to go to Giannis only because I think that that recency bias of that game against the against Philly the last week of the season where he basically you know put Ben Simmons in a body bag for four quarters. Yeah, he did. I think that that recency bias is going to... That was that MVP-type moment. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that Giannis has done it for the entire year, whereas Houston went off to that awful start. Yes, you know, Harden had a bunch of those 30-point games, but they sucked at full capacity. Yeah, they had some injuries, but at full full energy at the beginning of the year, they were terrible. They came out of the gate awful. So I think a lot of people are going to hold that against Harden. Giannis has been doing it for the entire year. So I think Giannis gets MVP. So I think that, you know, rightly so, it's going to be a matchup of those MVPs in the finals. But I think that Houston ultimately is going to have more firepower and Harden is just going to be insane. So I think I think Houston wins it all. Yeah, and I, I think Harden's due for another MVP. You know, he, he just has shown it. Um, Giannis has to be up there, obviously, too, with his team winning, what, 60, 60 games. 
Um, so I, I think, I mean, everybody knows my prediction. At least I have Toronto and Denver. You know, I, I just think that Toronto is going to be the best team out of the East. I think the depth of Toronto versus, you know, I guess the star power with Milwaukee will get it done. And I also think that Denver's talented team, even though they're having the toughest battle possible in the first round against, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, I think Jokic and I think Murray and I think Harris and Beasley, like all these different pieces, Will Barton. They have they have all small pieces. Demarcus Demarcus Beasley, not Michael Beasley. You're, you're thinking of Michael Beasley right now. It's Demarcus Beasley. Even, even no, no, even that Beasley. Like, okay, that's fine. But when you go up against Golden State, when you go up against Houston, like, okay, yeah, I get Joker. I get it. He's awesome. I totally get it. I just I don't think they have enough firepower. Plus, I had to kind of jump in on yours because you said that Eric Bledsoe sucked on mine. So. Well, yeah, because Eric Bledsoe does. He's, you know what though? He he is like a Pat Beverly. He is a pest, but Pat Beverly is actually a better player in my eyes, all around player than Eric Bledsoe. It seems like he's more composed. He he does the right thing, whereas Bledsoe yeah, takes some takes some wild shots, turnovers the ball. That's just the way it goes. I want to say though, Gift, and in this segment, is the parity in the league is now showing, and the reason for it. Since LeBron has moved from east to west, there has been a lot more competition. You've seen a lot of teams, you know, like the Celtics, like Milwaukee, like Toronto, like Philly. They've lost to some crappy teams throughout the year. And now we're seeing like a more competitive level in the east. The west is always going to be dominant in my eyes. They just have more like, you know, superstars, completer teams. Whereas the East, I think they're growing. I think they're younger. So I think the parity is really building up. And I think it's, I think this is like a change in the NBA for the better. Because it's no more, you know, LeBron making it to the finals every single year. It's really a dogfight in the East. And then the West, you know, LeBron joins that fire. But you got Houston, Denver, OKC, Golden State. Oh, don't worry. He's not making it to any more finals if he's on that Lakers team as so you won't have to worry about that. Oh, I, I totally I totally agree with you. And honestly, I hope that does happen just because Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, not LeBron James. Let's just get that straight because a lot of people get confused. Even though LeBron puts up triple doubles and he doesn't make his players better around him. The better comparison I've always said is LeBron James is Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan is Tom Brady. And I will always stand by that because they are totally different players and they have different different strengths. So, you know, LeBron's more comparative to Magic. And then I would say Michael's more comparative to Kobe Bryant or Kobe Bryant's more comparative to Michael. So I think the star power in the West is going to be difficult against this East um, young squads. Um, I do think... After Kawhi Leonard leaves, which he will, he'll go to the Clippers because he wants to go to L.A. He doesn't want to join LeBron. He already bought a house there. He already bought a house there. He's from there. Exactly. It's, it's happening. But I think that makes the East a little weaker. And I hope it doesn't happen because I think the competitiveness is only getting to that peak slightly. And if these guys grow and they mature and they develop, you know, hence like a Jason Tatum, an Embiid, um, you know, Giannis is going to be 
come stronger. Chris Middleton's going to be able to shoot more. D'Angelo Russell, like you have a lot of guys that can really build this East up to its like potential. Whereas the West, I feel like the West is always going to be there. It's always going to be dominant. And, you know, like I said, young teams like Denver and OKC, they're going to move up the ladder quickly. Um, so while Golden State, if they lose KD and they lose Clay, they might take a step down to, say, the four or five seed, which would be astonishing to me. But at the same time, with that talent and without any core pieces around Steph Curry, it won't be as uh, surprising. So, Gif, do you have any last-minute thoughts? What, what do you think um, this overall playoffs, you know, how, how do you think it's going to turn out as far as competitive level goes? Um, I think it's actually going to be a lot more competitive than I thought. I, I thought going into it, it was just going to be chalk across the board. Um, and I thought that, you know, it was kind of like, all right, wake me up, you know, in the second round when it's all chalk and then we get one, four, two, three from, you know, from both, from both conferences. But I think now, you know, with Orlando going in and, and, you know, winning game one with Brooklyn winning game one with, with the Clippers coming back from 31 points down to win game two, you know, with San Antonio going into Denver and winning game one there, I think this will actually be a lot better and it'll be a lot more entertaining of a first round, which is always good. Um, I still don't think they should play seven games in the opening round. I think it's dumb. I like the five. Five, exactly. I like five, seven, seven, seven. That makes more sense to me. But whatever. ESPN's paying over a billion dollars. I get it. So, um, but I think I think it's going to be a lot more entertaining. And I think we might potentially see some upsets or some game sevens on some series that we didn't actually see coming. Yeah, and I agree. I agree and I also think that NBA TV games should not be relevant i i think you agree as well uh um yeah so i'm gonna go on a rant real quick um Giannis is playing on nba tv tomorrow night let that sink in for a bit um and i was saying when i was telling you today Giannis is in for basketball junkies like like you and myself we know who Giannis is not everybody in the country knows who Giannis is so to put the potential biggest star best player whatever you want to call it in your league on a channel that not everybody has and not not everybody knows about is should not be to not happen ever again and there should be something in the in the tv deal that says no Giannis on nba tv ever i don't care if if we're putting a gold state game i don't care if we're putting an oklahoma city game on nba tv we're not putting Giannis on NBA TV where not everybody can do that. Final, done, over. Are you done venting? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, just, yeah. I, I already listened to this rant today and I freaking love it because it's so true. You cannot have NBA TV live games. You just can't play the replays from the night before. That's what your job is to do because yeah. NBA TV probably has one of the, one of the worst analysts the, the commentators, the play-by-play guys, it's just boring. Like, just don't don't give me those guys. Give me give me Ian Eagle. Give me freaking, um, you know, Harlan. Give me Reggie Miller. Give me Chris Webber. Like, give me guys. You're not a fan of Chris Webber, obviously. Or you're, you know, went through my head with that. Can you fill in the people why? Um, so I think Webber is, um, I hold the fact that he hasn't come out and basically admitted well look i think his entire career um if you watch the fab five documentary and 
you see where he came from as a player. So, you know, take Jalen Rose, for example, you know, comes up in, in, in the mean streets of Detroit, Michigan, you know, Chris Weber goes to prep school. Um, you know, Jalen Rose goes to a, a school where they didn't have an athletic training room. You know, Chris Weber went to a private school in, in, uh, in Michigan that had all the bells and whistles, but then he's always kind of, I'm not really sure he's always been comfortable in his own skin. It seems like he's always been, you know, uh, he's always tried to be on his best behavior. So my whole thing with that is we all know that some stuff took place in at Michigan. Like That's a guarantee. Yeah, that's a guarantee. Taking all the money off of you. Um, and, and basically, like, I think the story either Jalen or one of the other guys says in the, in the Fab Five documentary is that they basically walked by a department store, saw their own jerseys in the window, but yet they don't have food to go eat at, like, after school. So Nike made all the money off you, I get it. But look, there was some money that changed hands. Just acknowledge it, you know, give the, the school some closure and just let them raise the final four banner that they had for the back-to-back ones. Just be over. But that's basically my rant about Chris Webber. Yeah, and I mean, it's evident that... <laughs> his past wasn't the brightest, right? So, I mean, when he got caught, really everything went to, to dark because for some reason he just didn't come out in public and say, you know, what what actually did happen. He always tried to throw it under the rug. And, you know, Jalen Brown, I mean, uh, Jalen Rose and, you know, Jawan Howard, they were kind of like, all right, this this is kind of disrespectful. Like, we, are, they already know, the coaches already know, the guy already knew. So... I mean, just come out and say it. So, um, yeah, for that being good. The only thing thing that can make that Milwaukee on NBA TV thing any worse is that they make it a players-only game. (laughs) Not a fan. No, those telecasts, like, look, I get it. Like, it it just, it's a good experiment. I don't, I don't mind it. Like, it's good every once in a while, but the entire season, for me, it's just the fact that, that there's no flow, like there's not a there's not a main color guy who's going to basically be you know navigating traffic, and then you got the analyst to, to elaborate on things that the color guy says. Like you, you can't, it just it just doesn't work. Can we just not do that again? Yeah, <laughs> I, I like Greg Anthony. Greg Anthony is probably one of my favorites because he just has that swagger about him. Sure. But but he's more about um, from an analytical standpoint where. You need a guy like Kevin Harlan to just jump on the play-by-play mic. He's just, he's just that damn good. Um, so I, I think players only, I'm right there with you. I think it's a bit of a headache watching some games because you, you most certainly uh, uh, disagree rather than agree half the points that they make. And then half the time, they're just stupidity. Honestly, if we're doing players only, throw Charles Barkley on that for entertainment. I mean, he is what he is. Everybody loves him because he's an entertainer. He's not smart. He's an entertainer. Let's just let's just make that straight too. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Giff, uh, you know I appreciate you coming on. Um, I think that we should do this at least you know biweekly, maybe once a month. Um, have you come on, you know, tune in and uh, you know share share your points to the world because sometimes um, our opinions do matter and it kind of opens up to truth. Um, so I think truth is sometimes written on the walls, but people don't see it. And so our takes, as far as specifically mine, it's all going to be original is my content and what I feel is correct. And I believe the same to you as 
you know, you're very honest and loyal to your opinions. So, which, which is great to have you on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I, 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 thanks for having me on your ninth and your final show. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely love to be on. Um, I think as the playoffs kind of get going here, once we go into free agency, which is going to be bananas. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd be happy to be on and, and basically make an ass out of myself for 45 minutes. All right, sounds good. I can't wait to join you and making you know yourself look like an ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone.